and we launched, uh, I know the number exactly, 1,207 brands through our, our company during those 20 years. And if I could say eight of them were loyal, that might be too high. Hello, and welcome to How to Fail Successfully, the podcast that teaches the steps to success through the stories of failures. I'm so happy that you can join me as I interview some of my favorite people and encourage them to share their story with you. I'm Matthew Carrier, and this is How to Fail Successfully. Welcome back to another episode of How to Fail Successfully. Today's guest is Brian Esposito. And this is a very special episode for me because I've had the opportunity to know Brian for quite a while now. And I truly cherish not only his close friendship, but his business mentorship. Brian has helped introduce me to a majority of the guests that I've interviewed on this podcast. And he continues to support and promote this podcast, which means so much to me. And I'm going to once again split this interview into, into two episodes. In the first part, Brian shares with us his story and how the rapid success of his first company placed a big target on his back from, from major competitors. In the second half, we'll dive deeper into what success and failure means to Brian and how he lives his life by one simple rule, which is do to others as you would have them do to you. Brian is highly involved in multiple industries spanning from beauty, music, liquor, apparel, education, all the way to technology industries. He does it all. So let's jump right in. Here's my interview with Brian Esposito. I have one of the hardest working men in America. This man works 26 hours a day, uh, somehow figures it out. So. <laughs> Thank you, Brian, for doing this. I appreciate it. It's great knowing you. I love speaking with you throughout the many years. And incredible what you're doing, my friend. And, and to be able to share my experiences on your platform and your podcast is a true honor. So it's me thanking you. I appreciate that. Well, Brian, kind of tell us what you're working on these days. Sure. Well, it's uh, it's it's been a, an incredible journey and ride throughout the about 20-year history. So you got industries that we cover really across the board from music and entertainment, which is one of my favorites and, and my passions is to be involved in that space. We've built some tremendous technologies. We do some pretty substantial commercial real estate and hotel development properties and projects. Uh, we're in the liquor industry, food and beverage. It's actually across the board now. And uh, people say, how do you do it? I don't even think about it. Uh, to me, it's just controlled chaos. And the way my mind works, the more projects or opportunities that I'm at least involved with, either financially part of our entities or just communicating with, it's easier for me to connect the correct people, correct resources to make those projects a success. So you know, my mind works better with more information, more opportunities thrown at it, and I can just navigate through it and, and connect them to be on a successful path. You know, uh, for, for those that are listening, uh, Brian has a wealth of knowledge and his heart and his sincerity to want to do good and just be successful is so refreshing. Recently, which I'll, I'll actually put a link on this blog post, 
recently he released this, oh man, just beautifully written LinkedIn article kind of pulling the curtain off of these guys that are taking pictures of themselves flying in jets and just showing sort of the realness behind being an entrepreneur and some of the stuff that's not beautiful to talk about, some of the things that, are, that don't make the headlines. Uh, these are the things that, that Brian is passionate to reveal and talk about that it's not all easy. I mean, he works very, very hard. Yes, he's found successes. Yes, he's had some great opportunities, but he's real about those things. Uh, so, Brian, let's go back to the beginning. Talk us through how you got to the point where you are today and uh, sure. you know about why you're so passionate about business and entrepreneurship and why you've just been able to keep that sincerity and that humbleness and that, uh, just that fresh look on life. Let's go back to the beginning. Sure. Are we going to go back to as a, as a young child? A young How far child. do you want to go back? As little Brian J. <laughs> or an old, I was actually an old child. Were you, that's oh, the that problem. That is, me. Yeah, I was Benjamin Bunn. I grew up too fast, you know, and that's unfortunate when I look back because the youngest of four siblings, so that was part of the maturity process where I saw them, I hate to say make mistakes, but they just went through normal growing. And then I saw them get in trouble with my parents or whatever the typical reactions were to maybe doing something that wasn't right or correct as far as, you know, being a growing adolescent. And then I'd be, you know, I just knew not to make those mistakes. So then, you know, by eight or nine years old, I'm like this little grown man running around, like just too mature for my own good. And then that, you know, also being the youngest of four siblings, I didn't get to experience family as much as they did. I had a lot of losses growing up between my grandparents, aunts, uncles, and, you know, just, I realized really soon that life is precious and you never know how long you're going to be here. So with that being said, I would just set out on this path to, you know, make my mark, whatever that is. It was never sitting there, I'm going to be a billionaire, I'm going to be a millionaire. It was just, I need to do something in this life and in this world that's of importance. You know, again, I always say just need to leave my mark, wherever that may be. Initially, you know, it was a baseball career. I busted my ass. I trained with an incredible ex-pro ball player, Marty Sobel. I did it every day. You know, just that that was the beginning of my work ethic was just out there hustling, working hard and uh, practicing my skill to hopefully be a ball player. And I went to school. I, I got a scholarship to play ball in college. And for whatever reason, there was a moment where it hit me where I need to switch gears and, and focus on my professional career. So, uh, regrettably, still, you know, I think I'd be a hell of a lot happier if I was playing single A ball somewhere, making seven hundred bucks a year. <laughs> you know, that's something I, if I can uh, go back, I would probably choose uh, that route because that was my true first real passion. Uh, but I, I switched gears and I started just working at eighteen and building little companies, going to school full time. Um, so I always had this drive to just keep going forward. And going back to being, you know, too old for my own good, I, I didn't enjoy the co the college experience either. I went to class, you know, I, I kind of called it high school squared. I just drove to school, went to class, and then then worked. Uh, and I've always managed to fill my time up being productive, and I never focused on anything that would derail me from what I felt I was here to do. Did I know what it was? Probably not, but I knew. When I sensed an opportunity and I knew I could get behind it and push it to the next level, I, I go all in 100%. That's great. Brian, kind of share with us that first failure. Sure. Um, 
had to be uh, really early on. So 2021 got heavily involved in the beauty industry, which was a family legacy industry that I was born into. My my dad and, and sisters just did tremendous things in that space. And then I got involved, I revamped the vision, the, the company, and we, we pivoted. So um, built this incredible platform, got lucky, good timing. We had great access to products. And then I taught myself how to code. So in the late 90s, I built the first B2B, B2C beauty site. So again, just really good timing and great access to product. Uh, and the re- the reason being was uh, at that time I was driving around the salons and it, I'm from New Jersey. So it was not economic to try to hit as many salons and spas as possible and make a business out of it. It just wasn't practical. So I built the mousetrap to bring people to me. And that was the goal. And it just took off tremendous. But what had happened was like a lot of things that I've developed through my career, I've been too soon. And by being too soon, you actually spend a lot of efforts and hard work trying to convince the powers that be that this is the right place to be. So in the beauty space, we worked very hard to get all these brands. I built this website. Nobody else had an e-commerce platform at the time, especially in the beauty industry, which is very hard to break into and very controlled. So these big brands saw that we were promoting online um, and I get their issue. The, their distributors, their salons, their spas were then complaining to them that this company was online selling products. We didn't discount. We didn't disrupt the pricing model. We always we always stuck strict to those wholesale pricing or the retail pricing. But what had happened was I became a target for these brands that they had to make a uh, decision at that time where they were going to support their distri- their normal routine distribution model, which is a distributor buying products and then selling it to a salon or spa or a wholesaler buying products and selling it within their retail location. So because I was first mover, I faced a lot of problems, issues, lawsuits, anything you can imagine because I was just building a new marketplace to move products. But being first, being too early, crazy amounts of headaches. And that immediately turned what what should have been a beautiful time and creativity of where commerce was going turned out to just be constant daily hell. I was afraid to check my emails every day, afraid to listen to my voicemails because it was always a lawyer or a brand that we were partners with that was coming after me because we were you know, breaking new grounds on where we were going to promote and sell products. So that was very deflating, you know, when you have, you spend all this time, money, energy, and you build this incredible team around this next phase. And then, you know, you have to do all that and then still, you know, put out a fire or constant fires. It's, uh, it was very early on that I, you know, I started to compartmentalize how do you keep a business moving and still deal with the slew of problems that I never expected or, or, or was experienced on how to even deal with. What was sort of the main lesson that you learned from that? At that time, so this was a catch-22. In order for me to get a consumer that I, I don't have the FaceTime with, you know, you're dealing with someone over the internet, and when the internet was in its infancy, I needed to prove credibility for them to go on our site, give us their address, and more importantly, give us their credit card information. So I had to be, I had to look bigger than I was. So by by that, I had to promote our brand, I had to promote me, I had to, I had to, uh, put myself out there. Uh, what I should have done, but again, I don't know if we would have grown at the, at the speed we were growing, is stay under the radar. Um, and that goes back to your first point with you know some dear friends and colleagues that are out there promoting their their lavishes and and you know their vacations. And I don't judge. That's great if that makes you happy. Great. 
keep posting, but I'm a big believer in do great things, stay under the radar, and don't hurt anybody. Just keep moving. And if I wasn't, you know, to answer your question very longly was, if I had not put myself out in the spotlight so much during this time, I don't think I would have had as many issues because nobody would have known what I was doing. Tell us the name of that beauty company. Avu. So it was Avu Beauty Boutique. It was a okay. great company. And we broke a lot of records. We were Amazon's top retailer for that space for, I think, five or six multiple years. Um, it was just it was an incredible place to be. And the beauty industry is so fun. It's so exciting. It's just morphed into this monster industry, especially with influencers and makeup artists and hairdressers on all their social media profiles. It's just a massive, major incredible industry but it's also very ugly and that's what i hated about it it's a very ugly business on the professional side and behind the scenes you know and for the amount of brands and, and people that we've launched that we've launched and worked with and and grown a very small percentage of those brands and, and we launched uh, i know the number exactly 1207 brands through our, our company during those 20 years and if i could say eight of them were loyal that might be too high wow and I, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see emotional or, 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 I don't know what the right word is. I didn't see success as a person being in that space. Forget about the money. What it was eating me away. And I, you know, holidays, weekends, birthdays, everything you could think of. I was in the warehouse packing orders and answering customer service emails. It was this hamster wheel of hell. But within that, I knew I loved technology. I knew I loved marketing. And I knew I loved the music space. Uh, during that time, we were one of the first retailers to launch um, Kim Kardashian's perfume. We launched Taylor Swift's perfume. And we've never sold more products ever uh, in that space that weren't attached to, to an entertainer or a star. So when I saw that we had a distribution model to move products and then that was attached to a celebrity or a musician or someone of, of, of fame, I started to put together this model of, Hey, the music industry touches almost every industry. The fashion industry touches almost all these industries. And beauty, those three together, you have a powerful entity. So that's when I started building this holding company of all of these different industries feeding each other, making the pie bigger, and allowing us to, to grow you know, at a, at a very healthy rate. But also, I always kept in the back of my mind, I wanted to protect the people that were involved in our entities our employees, uh, family members, uh, and our vendors. So I thought, you know, if I can build this company where all these entities are feeding into each other, and if one is ever down or dipping, at least I have other pipes that could fill up the slack and, and, and keep us either even or, or keep us on a growing trend. Uh, so that's when I started to put together this idea of, I, I didn't want to fully be in the beauty industry anymore, but I wanted to use that vehicle to A, make me happy in what I was doing on my daily routine, and then just use that as a stepping stone to you know, where I've grown into today. How, how did it feel to walk away from, I mean, not that you've walked away necessarily from the beauty industry, but to venture away from your family legacy into a new venture? Was that scary to you or was that just exciting? Kind of what was that like? Uh, definitely exciting because I knew, I knew where I wanted to be. I knew where I wanted to take my path into. What you know, the downside of it, and I don't know if any of your listeners can relate to whether it's a family business or if you have to make a decision. There's really no win 
because you're going to have to decide which path you take. And when I say there's no win, I'm not talking financially. I'm talking at some point you're going to have to sacrifice something. So when it came to the beauty industry, I actually had to treat it like a Band-Aid and just rip it off, shut it down, for lack of a better word, and put my focus and energy into other places where I wanted to thrive and live in and then tap into the beauty industry on my terms. So, you know, it's difficult to explain or, or, you know, it sounds like I'm justifying or rationalizing my decisions, but when you're on that hamster wheel, you have to make an abrupt decision to jump off it. I mean, slowing it down doesn't, you're still on it. You know, you're still spinning around in circles. You have to, you have to jump off it. And that's what I decided to do 18 years later. And then, like I just said, and then visit it when the opportunities make sense or on my terms. And it's very easy for me to move products. Companies still call me today and, and partners still call me today when they have products they want to move or launch. It's very easy for me to do. We've built over a million customer database through our, our e-commerce platforms and we made some great partners. So you know, we still cherish those relationships and grow them when and where we can. We didn't talk about this ahead of time. I usually like to give people, whenever I, I do my pre-interview with, with my guests, I always say, you know, is there a question that you don't want me to, a- to ask you or is there a topic you don't want me to discuss? So, Brian, I apologize that we didn't talk about this ahead of time. <laughs> so if there's <laughs> no, something that all, you don't want to good. talk about, just, you know, just say, yeah, I'd rather not talk about it. But how many, how many businesses do you currently have your hand involved in? Uh, well, what has happened is my, um, my entities got absorbed into a, a public uh, general partnership so that company and then all my involvements and we have over 32 entities underneath five different industry um, verticals Mm. Uh, so on the daily we uh we touch and and maneuver through quite a lot of different industries and and entities that we uh, that we manage and control have any of those businesses that you personally invested into failed well how do I explain this? This is a character flaw of mine. I, I got to say no, but yes. <laughs> so the, the yes, here's the yes. At some point, yes, they have failed miserably, whether being too soon, having the wrong people or, or persons running them or other types of issues that may have come thrown at me. But the cool part about where I'm at today, I was able to revive a lot of those failures because either there's great IP there, there's great partnerships, there's great contracts, but they didn't have the resources to push them to the next level. So honestly, at five of them that were dead, like maybe eight, five, three years ago, are now alive wow. because wow. A, I kept, uh, um, in, a lot of them were just too soon. And then that was capital and my time that I put in, and, and one I completely shut down because the people that were involved were so toxic. So, yeah, I, I hate to ever abandon or quit anything. I, I did quit piano lessons and I quit karate, and my 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 mom still throws that in my face. Yeah. But I ha- I have good reasons, and we can get into that on a future call. But besides that, I, I don't like to be known as a quitter. I, I I'm committed to really anything I put my name on it. And then there are speed bumps, there's hurdles, there's problems that that's, that's life. I mean, forget about where you work or what you're running or, or, you know, wherever you may be in in your social class, but there's problems the minute you wake up in the morning and then you deal with them. And hopefully just every day there's new problems because when you're repeating the same problems, that's, that's a terrible life to live in. 
So, you know, with that being said, I've, um, the, the failures, yes, they, they, I've experienced them, but thankfully I kept them alive and then been able to push them to start to flourish in, in what I'm doing today. That concludes part one of my interview with Brian. Can you see why I love this man? He's such a great guy with a great, authentic heart. If you've been a fan of this podcast or you have enjoyed this episode, please go right now and subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Those five minutes that you spend leaving a review will tell iTunes that How to Feel Successfully is providing valuable content. And this in return will allow us to be be heard by a, a larger audience. So thank you in advance. Tune in next week as Brian and I discuss his latest blog post titled The 7,327th Night of My Overnight Success. Here's a clip. And if you want to promote some successes, great. But as I write in there, those successes are not long-lived. You know, you have to keep executing. So a success or a great deal or a great moment is, is just that. As I say, it's just a moment and then you're on to the next one. But the, the hurdles, the setbacks... That's where you need to go to a community like LinkedIn, and that's where you need to just put your guard down, put your heart on your sleeve, and say, hey, guys, girls, I'm dealing with this. I have no idea what to do. Um, My capital's tight. Terrible lawyer that just bills me every second and calls me all the time. And you know that's where you need to come together as professionals and help one another. I'll see you next week.